Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Real estate is a great tool for wealth building over time, but there are some people that it might not be suitable for. So always try to understand what their background is, whether they've invested before, whether it be real estate, stocks, bonds, any kind of asset class, and then what their goals are. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest-running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Mark Weissey. Mark is joining us from Jersey City, New Jersey. He is the principal at Maple Capital Partners, which invests in multifamily and class B and C neighborhoods throughout the U.S. Mark's portfolio consists of being a GP on four properties and an LP on four properties. Mark, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Doing really well. Thanks for having me, Ash. This is such a blessing. Oh, it's our pleasure, man. Mark, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background? and what you're focused on now. Absolutely. So I come from the world of finance. I've worked my entire career in financial markets, first on the IT side of things, and then in the last, say, seven years or so in trading and portfolio management. And over the last five or six years, I've steadily grown my own uh, personal portfolio and then transitioned into the multifamily space with my partner and I. 
Mark, the million dollar question, what are stocks going to do going forward? We're recording this mid-August of 22. What's your gut <laughs> feeling? We're not going to hold you to it and we're not going to circle back. My crystal balls in the shop is what I always say. I am not a stock guy. Full disclosure, I trade municipal bonds, which are a little bit less volatile than stocks. And I'm actually pretty happy about that. So I couldn't tell you as far as the economy, I think that potentially we could have a slowdown here as we're already experiencing. And hopefully it's a soft landing as opposed to a hard landing, which the Fed is trying to engineer here. Mark, you don't often see finance people crossing over into real estate. How did you get exposed to real estate? So I'll start at the beginning where my father came to this country in the 80s as an immigrant from the Middle East and kind of a typical immigrant story. Came here with nothing in his pocket and and made a life for himself and our family. So ownership and having entrepreneurship in my family was always a, a pretty seminal part of my childhood. So I always had in the back of my head having ownership over whether it be a business or real estate. Then I came across the little purple Bible, as I call it, the Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. And I was hooked on real estate ever since then. What was your first property? I had bought a condo in Jersey City initially just to live in and then started to do a house hack. This was back in 2017 before I think some of the terminology around house hacking was maybe around or at least in the forefront. And I was just basically thinking that I rent out a couple of rooms and help pay a portion of my mortgage every month. And it kind of snowballed from there. What was that pivotal moment that made you passionate about real estate? I think it was the fact of just seeing in in my area at that time, uh, equity values were going up pretty rapidly. And what I was making at work relative to what I was making by just owning property there, as well as the cash flow itself, that was really an eye opener for me. Do you still work full time? I do still work full time. Yep. And what was your first multifamily property? We started off in residential, as I mentioned, buying condos and then single family and then duplexes in the northern New Jersey area. So technically it was a duplex. As far as the larger stuff, a 32 unit was the first commercial property that we bought out of state, actually. Who's we? Myself and my partner. We met initially back in 2018 or so. He was another local real estate investor. Came from actually the same alma mater as myself, but I didn't know him in college. So just kind of a funny past there that we had. And he came from the world of civil engineering. So myself with my finance background and him with more of the construction had and managing large projects, it just seemed to be a good partnership there. And we started off very small on that duplex that I mentioned. And we were there after work every day, putting in the hours, sometimes working late into the night or early morning. And we saw that we were working very hard and working very well together. And that kind of started the partnership in earnest from there. Mark, with your partner, did you have the property first or did you decide to build this company and then go out and find the property? We decided to build a company first. We both initially meeting, we both figured out that we had the same goals. In his case, he had a young family, two little children that he was looking to build a legacy for. And for me, I was looking to build up some passive income every month. So We were both aligned in terms of that, and we decided to start off small and take it from there. And who found the 32-unit property? We both did jointly. We were in a mentorship program with a mentor who's still a really good friend of ours who actually, funnily enough, was looking to sell a few of his properties in his target market, which was very close to our target market. So we decided to take a look and asked him if it would be all right to make an offer on one of those properties, and it ended up working out. What were the numbers on that 32 unit? 
We bought it just below $2.5 million. So it was about 70-ish a door, 72-ish a door, I believe it was. And they're townhomes. They're located in Louisville, Kentucky, which is now our target market. And we bought that in September of last year. And for basically the last 11 months, I've been undergoing our value-add business plan. And what is that value-add business plan? Is it full renovations for each unit? Yeah. So we started kind of with an outside-in approach where we were improving some of the curb appeal, improving some of the exterior. And then as units would turn over, we would basically give tenants, if they had a good history with the property and with us, we would give them an option of, hey, would you like to stay here? Potentially, we'll add some improvements to the interior of your property. You'll pay a little bit higher rent. Or if you'd like to part ways, then we'll go in and do a full renovation. It wasn't a gut renovation, but select improvements there. I think our improvement budget was around 8000 a door is what we're doing and steadily renovating these units and attracting higher rents. What does 8000 a unit buy you these days? I know prices have skyrocketed. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're doing LVP finishes on the flooring. We're doing new paint. We're doing vanities in the bathrooms if needed. We're doing potentially new lighting packages. These units, since they're townhomes, they do have decks on the backs of the units. So potentially some improvements there and then select other improvements to both the interior and exterior. One of the exterior items that we really wanted to add upon doing our due diligence and driving by the property at various times of day and night, we realized that it wasn't very well lit. So adding lighting to both the exterior of the building itself, as well as the nearby light post to make it feel a little bit safer and more homey at night. Yeah, that's a huge deal. One of the first things I recommend to anybody buying any commercial building, improve the lighting. Makes a huge difference. And just people in that area or people that drive by realize there's new life in this building. $2.5 million purchase. Did you also raise for CapEx? We did. We raised the entire CapEx budget. We ended up going with agency debt, Freddie SBL program. So we raised all the CapEx budget as well as closing costs and acquisition fees. So what was the total raise? It was about 1.1 million. Is this the first time you and your partner raise money? No, we've raised for other operators, kind of co-sponsoring on other deals before, particularly with mentors of ours, where we've come on, helped them raise some capital, as well as serve in some other capacities. And it served as our training wheels in terms of getting our feet wet in this space. We felt that that was the best approach for us going from much smaller units to much larger properties, if we could kind of have the comfort and the experience level of more senior operators than ourselves, that we could learn much faster and get off without any hiccups. Yeah, I like that approach. Mark, what's easier, raising for your own deals or raising for other people's deals? That's a great question. I think when it comes down to it, you have to believe in a deal regardless of whether or not it's your deal or somebody else's. So whenever we're raising on a deal, whether it's another sponsor's deal as a lead sponsor or it's ours, we always look at the deal and do our own due diligence as if it is our deal, in fact. So I would say that we don't treat the deals any differently. In fact, we're always co-investing alongside our LPs on any deal that we do because we feel that skin in the game is absolutely necessary to demonstrate that we have commitment to the deal. Your investment in these deals, is it reinvesting fees or is it actually cash from your bank account going into the deal? Yeah, great distinction. It's always cash from our bank account going into the deal. I feel that that's even higher level of commitment to the deal as opposed to money which may not have ever been in your possession in the first place. I love it. Great answers, great approach. 
I had an investment club where we evaluated startup businesses and I didn't care who invested, who didn't, but everyone always asked, Hey, are you putting money into it? And that's very important, right? People need to know that if you're behind something that you've got skin in the game beyond, like you said, the money that was never in your possession. I love how you put that. Awesome. How much money did you guys raise for other people's deals before this 1.1? We raised initially around 250000 on our first deal and then 300000 and it kind of grew from there. So starting off with maybe a handful of investors on our first raise, and then as we've made it more known within our network and as our network has steadily grown, we've grown our investor base there with each subsequent deal. Yeah, you're on the fast track to success. Mark, how do you acquire new investors? Great question. So one of the things that we're working on now is revamping our website. We want to put out a lot more content on the educational side. Tons of folks from our networks, maybe they have some fundamental understanding of real estate, but they're a little bit leery of this whole syndication word and how it all works. So educating is first and foremost, how we kind of see ourselves. I've read the Hunter Thompson book, which there's a line in there, which I absolutely love. It's always be disclosing. And I kind of took that as, whereas in the the 80s and movies like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross popularized this idea of always be closing. I don't consider myself a salesperson. I consider myself first and foremost an educator. So whether we meet somebody on a webinar or in person, or it's a friend of a friend who maybe had heard what we're doing and what we're up to and wanted to learn more, it's always a matter of hopping on the phone or meeting in person and making them comfortable with the risks and rewards of this investment class. Okay. I love that. Again, if I don't know anything about real estate and I agree to having a lunch with you to find out more, let's play through how that conversation evolves. So you start, tell me what you're doing. Tell me this real estate thing and why is it good for me? First and foremost, I actually will flip the script a little bit. I always try to learn about them because as much as I live in the real estate world every day, and believe in this asset class. And I I really think that there's no better investment opportunity out there. It's not perfect for everybody. Real estate is a great tool for wealth building over time, but there are some people that it might not be suitable for. So I always try to understand what their background is, whether they've invested before, whether it be real estate, stocks, bonds, any kind of asset class, and then what their goals are. It has to really align with what individuals' goals are. It is by no means a get rich quick scheme despite what you might see on social media and things like that. So I'm always trying to set expectations that this is really a long-term investment and that liquidity is going to be not there for maybe the first two, three, potentially five years on the deals that we're doing. And if it makes sense for them at that point, then I'll talk a little bit further about what we're up to. Mark, that's a killer mindset. I love that. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. It's no secret that everyone is trying to find a recession-proof investment right now. What if you could invest in one of the most recession-resilient asset classes of the last 25 years with one of the best teams in the U.S.? Self-storage is that asset class, and Reliant Real Estate Management is that team. Reliant Real Estate Management is the 17th largest storage operator. They have sold over $1 billion in self-storage assets and have lost no investor principal with the average project-level IRR of 33% in the last three years. Right now, you can be one of the first to invest in their next fund at ReliantFund4.com. Fund 4 is a $100 million equity fund with seven properties already identified to close before the end of 2022. 
If you're an accredited investor, visit ReliantFund4.com to download the investment summary and schedule a call with Reliance Experience Team. That's ReliantFund4.com, R-E-L-I-A-N-T-F-U-N-D-F-O-U-R.com. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. With your partner, how many deals have you done? As lead GPs, we've done two deals. We're currently working on our third deal, which we're doing inspections for this week. What's something you would change about the dynamics of you and your partner working together? I don't know that I would change anything other than the fact that I would have partnered up earlier. I had been investing for a couple of years on my own. And I guess the quintessential rookie real estate mistake was thinking I had to do it all myself and figuring out over time that there's more than enough in terms of roles and equity to go around. So giving some of that up in exchange for somebody else's expertise, because I'm not great at everything. The things that I am great at, my kind of superpowers, I prefer to focus on those things and basically partner with others that can fill in the other gaps. What are your superpowers and what are the things you need to offload? I feel that one of my superpowers is my background in financial markets and financial modeling. So I kind of say it as I stole this from a friend. I'm a freak in the sheets. I love spreadsheets. I love Excel. I spend most of my day in Excel doing underwriting, looking at markets analyzing deals. So I serve as the chief underwriter on our team and do a lot of the acquisitions work on that end, as well as a lot of the capital raising, speaking to investors. And then my partner, he fills the gap in terms of drafting the scope for CapEx, talking to contractors, doing a lot of the asset management, essentially. A freak in the sheets, man. I was wondering where that was going. That's that's a good showstopper line. Mark, what's next for you? So we're excited to get this deal closed here in the coming month or so. And it'll be another opportunity for us to scale our operations. This is the biggest deal that we've done thus far. There's going to be 49 units. So looking forward to closing that and continuing to undergo our business growth here with this deal and continuing to learn along the way. Part of this whole journey is just continuously learning. And I know in speaking to other more experienced operators, it's something that seems to be a commonality amongst people that are really successful in this space is they're super hungry to learn, never think that they know enough. And I think in the current environment that we're going to undergo, I think it's going to be the people that are the most creative and the most willing to do what others aren't in terms of adding value to properties. I think those are the people that are going to get the most deals in our contract and do the most in terms of business over the next couple of years here. I tend to agree with you, Mark. I want to dive into more numbers on this deal and finish detailing the 32-unit deal as well. You've achieved a lot of success since 2017. And before we get into the numbers, I want to ask, what's the hardest lesson you've learned and something you can share that the best ever listeners 
can really learn from as well. What's the toughest lesson that you've learned in real estate? Our path has been anything but linear. We've definitely had a bunch of ups and downs. It's, it's been a roller coaster of emotions at times. So I would say taking action every day and then being comfortable with uncertainty and course correcting along the way. So you can't control what's going to happen. There are going to be tons of things that happen that are outside your control that you're just going to have to roll with the punches and adapt and pivot to. But it's just important that you get comfortable with the idea that you're never going to have all the information. And I think with my background being super analytical, that was something that I had to get over was the fact that these are properties, these are living, breathing things that you're just going to have to be comfortable with knowing maybe 70, 80% of the story with and moving forward. And for the remaining 10 to 20%, 30%, you're going to have to course correct along the way and having the right team in place to be able to do that. All right. That's a great 50,000 foot answer. But what is the worst thing that's happened to you that's been out of your control? I would say one of the early deals that we did was actually as an LP. This is a little bit of a, a different lesson that I learned from the previous one I just outlined. It was really the fact that it's imperative that you as an LP vet the sponsors, vet their morals and their ethical compass, because there's an age old saying in syndication that you bet on the jockey and not the horse. And I think that couldn't be more true. You can have the best deal on paper that there is, but it comes down to the individual that's actually running the deal and whether or not they're going to do the right thing when things go awry or no one's looking. And so I would say, take your time. If you're looking to invest passively, get to know that individual, get to know what makes them tick and maybe follow them for a few deals before you ever decide to invest a penny in a deal with them. The way we get successful is by accumulating a lot of scars, right? What's a deal or an incident that scarred you or something you lost money on? So that's kind of that story that I just outlined was we invested with a group that was basically pursuing an Airbnb strategy here in the Northeast. And this was back in 2018. So we didn't know a ton about investing passively. We didn't know which questions to ask or which red flags to look for necessarily. So we invested with them, put our full faith in them. About two years into the deal, we saw that things were going sideways. We weren't meeting our budget and a number of things that they said were going to be done weren't being done. And there just wasn't a great level of communication. And so we ended up having to get involved and roll up our sleeves, myself and my partner, and actually stabilize that asset in the last few years here. So that definitely left a mark in the back of my mind was that when you're looking at deals, really, like I said, vet the sponsor, because I wouldn't wish that experience on anybody. But it was also an epiphany for us was that we can do this. The fact that we had to come in after the fact and clean things up, it was kind of proof and built confidence in us that we could do this. So it gave us the confidence to be able to offer opportunities of our own to investors going forward with the idea that we never wanted anybody to be in our shoes like we were a few years back. Yeah, that's crazy. So as LPs, you guys had to become active in the investment. Correct. All right. I want to dive into that maybe in a following episode. Because that sounds like something that we can learn from and do a whole episode deep dive on. We'll come back to that one. Let's finish up the 32-unit deal. I'm assuming it's Class C or Class B? Yeah, it was Class C upon takeover. It was in a strong Class B neighborhood. And the goal is to make it Class B, not Class A. Correct. It's surrounded by a number of properties that were proof of concept for us. They were similar vintage properties that had undergone some CapEx in the last few years. And we're getting the target rents that we wanted to get towards achieving. 
So that was kind of our uh, proof of concept. Okay. And how long is the hold? We're targeting a five-year hold. With our deals, we always try to match up the life horizon of the deal with the debt that we're securing. So in this case, we have seven-year debt. It's a five-year hold. So should things deteriorate in the coming years, we have a few years to figure things out. Is that debt assumable? It is. Okay. And projected return to investors? On that deal, it was around 14.5 IRR over five years, an 8.5% cash on cash. And I believe it was close to, if not over a 2X multiple. Got it. And the new deal that you're working on, 49 units, what's the purchase price? This was a $3.55 million purchase price that we're in a contract on. In Louisville as well? Correct. What's the raise on it? So it is a lower leverage loan that we're actually assuming. So being that it's lower leverage, it's around 57 LTV. So we're raising about two and a quarter million, which when you compare that to the purchase price may seem a little bit higher than other deals that past investors have seen. But it, the reason being that it's, it's low leverage. Low leverage, you're borrowing more than 50%. How's that low leverage? It's 57%. We were quoted on new debt around 70% LTV that we could get. So relative to what we would get on new debt, it is lower leverage. Oh, sorry. Okay. I get that. I was flipping it. Okay. And the return to investors on this one? Yeah. So we're targeting between 13 and 15% IRR, around 6 to 8% cash on cash. And again, around that 1.8 to 2.1x multiple over five years. Is there a PREF being paid on this? Yes. We're putting in place a six PREF. And when does that start getting paid? That starts six months into the deal. We want to be able to have enough cushion to kind of stabilize things with our operation on the property side and then start paying that out in month six. All right, Mark, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I think it's surrounding yourself by other people that are doing it at a higher level. So the acronym that I always use is PAP. I kind of equate that to the first P is peers. So whether it's a mastermind or just an investment club that you surround yourself with, other people that are a similar level or maybe a little bit ahead of you, behind you, that you can learn from and in turn teach one day. That's one aspect of it. A, of advisors. So you can call that a mentor or a coach. Anybody that's a little bit further ahead of you that can help you avoid some costly mistakes. I think a lot of times there are paid programs, which I think that money is well spent for a lot of programs because it'll help you avoid a lot of time, frustration, stress, and potentially dollars in mistakes that you make along the way. And then the last P is partners. So partnering with people, like I mentioned, that maybe have complementary skill sets as you, that have aligned values, live with the same value set that you have, same belief system that you have, that you can partner with and you can all share the load. Because as I mentioned, there is more than enough in terms of responsibilities to go around. Got it. Awesome, Mark. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. Mark, what's the best ever book you read recently? I am currently reading 75 Hard by Andy Frisella. It's really a program more so than a book. It's kind of a routine that you follow every day for 75 days straight. And it kind of instills commitment and mental toughness. The book is about discipline in a sense. Mark, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I've been very lucky in my life. Number one, being born in America. Number two, being born into a, a family that was very loving, very supportive instilled some great values. So I try to give back in terms of mentoring. I mentor a child here in Northern New Jersey, 
and I've been doing so for the last five years. And it's been tremendously gratifying seeing him grow and learn and develop his own interests and passions and also incorporating him in what I'm doing on the entrepreneurship side. I think there's a ton to be gained from public schools, but unfortunately, I think one of the things that may be lacking is just this sense of ownership and entrepreneurial pursuit. Yeah, I went to one of the best undergrad business schools out there and didn't really learn that either. So I agree with you. Mark, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? You can feel free to reach out to me via email at mark. It's M-A-R-C at investwithmaple.com. That's investwithmaple.com. Feel free to call me or text me at my phone number, 908-319-4351. Or you could find me on socials. My name is M-A-R-C. My last name is W-E-I-S-I. I'm on IG and Facebook primarily. Awesome, Mark. Thank you for your time today. Your background in finance, trading, and finding real estate after reading that book, starting out with single families, going to condos, and now heading up to 49 units. Congratulations on your success, and thank you for sharing your story with us. Thanks for having me, Ash. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. And also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.